The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. All right, welcome on to both the Twitter NBA show postgame and tonight's Dunked On Basketball NBA podcast. Uh, joined here by Danny LaRue and got a lot to get to tonight. We got to talk about this Golden State shellacking by OKC. Talk a little bit about Boston and Toronto, which also was a total shellacking in favor of the Raptors, despite the return of Kyrie Irving. And then the really sad news out of New York that Kristaps Porzingis has torn his left ACL. Finally, we also want to get to a lot of the trade stuff that's come out today no trades actually yet but uh, a lot of trade rumors uh and uh, elucidation of the market uh, has come through but why don't we start with uh, this okc uh golden state game a 20 point blowout we don't know the final score exactly yet because uh we're recording it uh, but enough of a blowout really i mean okc is a buck 23 with 240 remaining in the fourth and i think we have to start with russell westbrook for the second time this season being the best player on the floor in a matchup against the Golden State Warriors. And that was especially present in that first quarter when Westbrook, I mean, you you look at the point total, he had 21. And so you think, oh my God, he was an amazing score. I thought his passing was great in that first quarter as well. And so he he was just creating looks for, for teammates. The Warriors couldn't figure out really how to defend him in those high pick and rolls. Originally it was Steven Adams, but then Steven Adams got in a bunch of foul trouble. So they were bringing in Patrick Patterson, who I thought did a nice job as a screener in this game. And they just had no answer. So that first, just to give his first quarter, stat line 21 points 9 of 11 from the field 2 of 2 from 3 also 4 assists 3 rebounds and just 1 turnover yeah and you mentioned just 1 turnover Westbrook by the time the dust had settled very efficient game still 34 points 13 out of 26 from the field 6 of 6 from the foul line 9 rebounds 9 assists terrible game not a triple double but you know you remember he was what 9 out of 10 in that first quarter so he really cooled off the thing was though the Warriors just kept turning the ball over and that was really the story of the game through 3 quarters they had pretty similar true shooting percentages free throws and field goals you know if you just counted what happened every time those occurred you, it was a pretty even game but the offensive glass and then more importantly the turnovers golden state 25 turnovers uh only 25 assists and it was their main guys kd with five green with five thompson and curry each with three so their four best players combined for 16 turnovers and that really was the biggest difference in this one uh in addition to golden state's defense just not being able to stop OKC. Another way of, of quantifying that is the Warriors had 11 dead ball turnovers, but OKC still had more steals than turnovers themselves. So they were getting out a lot more in transition. They were getting good looks. And also Oklahoma City did a spectacular job getting back in transition defense. And so the Warriors, the best transition offense in the entire league, they weren't able to generate as reliable looks. And so that helped them, hope to OKC stabilize their defense and their half court D was great. Yeah, and the leader of that was 
Paul George on switches, whether it was Steph Curry, whether it was Klay Thompson, whether it was Kevin Durant, although KD had a very quiet 24 points in the first half, uh, was not really effective in the second. Um, and George had six steals in this one. I mean, he just was materializing everywhere. And when George is locked in, and then he also had a great game with 38 points, he actually outscored Westbrook when it was all said and done and kept them afloat with those second unit where they really beat up the Warriors with those second units and started the second and fourth. But the ability to get through screens on your man, especially with Thompson, and also to be a factor and help defense as well. I mean, there are very, very few players in the NBA who can do that double as a wing player. And I think George, to a point, yes, he did score a lot of points in this game, is helped by having somebody else who can shoulder the playmaking load, that he doesn't have to have the, the like, you think about what, what James Harden is doing or all those type of guys. Like, George doesn't have to do that. He, he can focus a little bit more on defense. They, he also did a nice job. I thought he did a great job defensively on Thompson in the lineups at the beginning of the second and fourth quarters. I thought that was a big point of separation in this game. OKC was already ahead. I think they they dropped 42 in the first quarter. So it was 42 to 30. But then in that beginning second quarter, the Warriors go to that lineup with Draymond and Klay Thompson, and then a bunch of backups. Paul George was, I believe, the only starter for OKC that was out there. And OKC ran him off the floor. It was nine to two early. I think it ended up being a plus eight. Yeah. I mean, I would say they more suffocated them really sure. than ran them off the floor. And George hit a couple of big contested threes during that period as well. And that's that's where you thought maybe the Warriors could make some headway. And, and as it turned out, uh, that was, was not the case. I, I mean, interesting that Carmelo Anthony suffering a sprained right ankle early on when he just happened to step on Steph Curry's foot after uh, backpedaling from shooting a shot. And I think you can make the argument that OKC, at least against Golden State, not anybody, but against Golden State, is a better team without Melo out there because I think he just provides such an easy place to attack and he's not going to play with the kind of intensity and effort that the rest of their team did tonight. And also they didn't need him at least in this game offensively. Like the the point of having Carmelo on the on the floor and certainly he has value in second units if they were going to use him that way is to be able to create those kind of shots. Well, if if you don't need him to do that, then he's not providing as much nearly as much value because defensively he's a huge liability and he's an attackable liability. And also this was a really nice game game for Oklahoma City's support players. You can define that as, as even some of the guys who started. I mean, I thought Josh Hustis, who was the who replaced uh, Terrence Ferguson, who only played in garbage time as the starter. I thought he did a nice job. He actually attacked Curry on a couple, I think, one or two post-ups. But also, Abrinas did well in this game. I thought Ray Felton yeah. did well in this game. Patrick Patterson had one of his better games this season. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a season high in minutes for Patterson with Anthony out. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's uh, almost 30 minutes. And, uh, well, and also with Adams having so much foul trouble in the first half they just didn't yeah, have that many yeah. other places to go and he did well yeah i thought that they uh did a great job really of attacking every golden state weakness tonight whether it was with pressure forcing turnovers the physicality the offensive glass killing their centers in pick and roll i mean what westbrook did to the combination of mccaw and kavan looney just running the same high pick and roll over and over again at the end of the first quarter sasa patrulia got really taken advantage of in pick and roll defense as well despite the the foul troll of adam I mean, there was really, uh, it was really just a, a total domination by OKC 
see in nearly all facets of the game and then I mean, they did a great job defensively on Steph Curry too I mean he really was not able to get the type of looks that he's used to I mean it looked despite the fact that Kevin Durant is now on Golden State it looked very much like those wins that OKC had in games three and four way back in 2016 as far as the performance by Steph Curry and Oklahoma City has not surprisingly done a good job of something that a lot of former Warriors playoff opponents have of how to kind of grab and pull Steph Curry off ball without getting called for it I thought there were times when they did a really nice job of that and that wasn't using Paul George I mean Paul because Paul George wasn't on Steph very much he was on Clay and KD for most part I thought they did a nice job on him and yeah but when Paul, Paul George was on Steph he totally shut him oh absolutely yeah yeah Paul, Paul George and and Paul George like part of the reason we were so excited when that trade happened was his ceiling as a player is crazy high we we didn't get to see it as much the last couple of years because the the horrifying leg injury and then last year I thought he coasted a little bit to me and he just didn't have the best defensive year but we're you see moments of it this year and it's even been more consistent than that that's be giving him short shrift where he has been a real dominant defensive player while still providing a lot of offensive value and for golden state there was not the space on the floor um and against a real long quality defense like this that starts to become a problem for guys like kd and steph and clay thompson to a lesser degree because you know those guys are good enough that they're going to score against most teams regardless but against a, a team like okc that has the type of length with even guys like houston and grant and i thought you know billy donovan got these guys playing really hard in this game um the lack of shooting from guys like draymond who did not attempt a three iguodala did not attempt a three uh durant thompson and curry took 23 of the warriors 28 threes and uh only one make outside of those guys and the warriors did shoot poorly on threes too that was part of that they missed a lot of wide open ones early but to finish eight out of 28 but those were not like amazing looks generally after the first quarter i thought i I'd agree with that and it's it's a limitation for the warriors in their current form we'll see if they do anything about it at the trade deadline or more likely in the buyout market but those sorts of players aren't available you know yeah, like that that's been, i mean nick young is a shooter but he sucks on defense yeah he's and, and he got exploited numerous times especially in the first quarter and kerr is still looking for answers for who's going to replace clay thompson when he sits in the first quarter and the, fir- the first quarter today was mccaw and he got roasted and then in the third quarter they went to nick young but he didn't really provide much value there either so why don't we get you guys here uh to ask a few questions about the golden state and okc this well, game and while we'll we're waiting those. on yeah. them another part we should talk about with this game was the sheer volume of technical fouls i don't have the exact number of it but it was at least five yeah i mean warriors. and the point was has been made that you know I, I don't know whether you'd say the warriors are sore losers but i mean i think there is something about the way this team can melt down mentally at times when things don't necessarily go their way i mean which is surprising to say because you know back in 2015-16 they're probably the greatest clutch team at least until game seven of the finals that we've ever seen in the nba but i mean they definitely have it seems like between draymond and kd getting thrown out of games and even you know steph at times david west can lose his cool like they have a little bit of that aspect to them um last thing i wanted to talk about too is uh the post-ups that OKC went to. I mean, Stephen Adams scored on In three third straight quarter. post-up possessions on Kevon Looney and JaVale McGee. Uh, they put David Weston and, and, and that went away. Uh, they posted up Josh Husis and Jeremy Grant uh, on Steph Curry. And the Warriors defense does not have that fly-around intensity that they've had in previous years. And you could challenge those Thunder players to make passes, but the Warriors really tried to stop them one-on-one and didn't really succeed. Uh, can we talk about Iguodala is the, the question 
Jefferson, new three-year, $17 million per season deal. Where is his game? Well, he's been less impactful defensively, broadly, possession by possession, but the biggest difference has been offensively. Not only is he a reluctant and inconsistent three-point shooter, but he's been tentative around the rim at moments too, He other than when he can get like a clear dunk. And so that provides a real problem for him. And the, the issue for the Warriors is also that if it's not Iguodala, they don't really have a, a, a reasonable facsimile. I'm sure they hoped Patrick McCaw could be, but Jordan Bell is a, is a wonderful defensive player. I think those lineups can be, if, if Durant's comfortable guarding threes, like guarding the LeBrons of the world, that lineup can be almost as good defensively. But the offensive limitations with Jordan Bell are pretty manifest well. So they're going to need Iguodala to play better. Should Kerr replace Iguodala in Golden State's closing lineup? Nice old. <laughs> well done. Uh, but they don't, I, I mean, they're going to need somebody else to step up. Nobody has taken that crown. So if somebody does, you consider it. But for right now, no, I think you still have to go with, you still have to go with Iguodala. Is this Thunder defense real? Could they keep it up in seven games against Golden State? I'll take that one, I guess. Sure. Since you just gave that long answer. Um, I don't think so. I think that Golden State would find a way to figure it out. I think they would find a way to exploit Russell Westbrook uh, to some degree. They would find a way to exploit a Brina. So I actually thought and it was... Mello. Yeah, and Mello too. I mean, if Mello's going to be out there, which he probably likely will at this point. I mean, there have been a few games where, especially at the end of games, where you would kind of think like Billy Donovan almost would want to take Mello off the floor because he's been exploited so much defensively. So yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um... But yeah, this I think OKC can reach this at some point. I mean, it's important to remember that Golden State had a, a, a while well, OKC forced a lot of turnovers. Golden State had just some absolutely asinine passes in this game. They only shot eight out of twenty-eight from three. And it's also worth noting that even though Iguodala has been worse this year, they're not playing their best lineups because part of the reason why the Draymond at center lineups have broadly been successful, yeah. not so much this year, is that it forces their guys to try on defense because yeah. they have to fly around. That's the way. Well, it works. and and they can switch like there's none of this like just go kill Zaza Pachulia and Kevon Looney in, in pick and roll and on switches right I mean if they're really trying to win a series when it really gets down to it Draymond Green is going to play 30 minutes a game at center and maybe he can't hold up that way quite as much as he did in past years um but if they're doing that then yeah I understand there's some concerns about Iguodala can he still be the force that he's been uh but I agree I mean there's a lot of things that'll be different about Golden State from a strategic standpoint and they'll shoot better and they won't turn the ball over as much and there'll be more space on the floor like all all that is true so no i don't think they can play this level of forcing 25 turnovers a game and eight out of 28 from three but i do think they can give the warriors some problems and, and they've shown that by two blowout wins already against golden state this is not like Argu- you know they're just getting lucky in crunch time arguably they're oklahoma city's two best wins of the year and they've had they also i think they beat the they beat the Rockets. so they've they've had some good they've had some good wins too but i mean that game yeah the early win against the warriors was still to me their best win of the year yeah and okc i mean they've looked very good against a lot of the good teams that that they've played i don't think they've really laid too many eggs against good teams it's been you know their consistency against bad teams uh, that's been uh, more of an issue all right we'll do a quick read here and then we'll be back we got to talk about this porzingis injury uh, (sighs) right after this well the twitter nba show is an awesome time to play daily fantasy with draft you can enjoy the game even more by rooting for your players as you listen along with us draft is daily fantasy basketball but it's a snake draft instead of the traditional salary cap leagues snake drafts mean that you can't anticipate exactly where it's going to go and so pros can't just flood the games with a bunch of pre-existing lineups instead you've got a much better chance of winning on draft because you're playing against other people who are just out to have a good time instead of making this their entire livelihood if you haven't tried daily fantasy before 
it's a draft for just one night and there's no management you can just set it and forget it no trades no waiver wire to deal with just for one night you can root for your players and enjoy the games even more than you normally would they'll even take care of last minute injuries for you drafts start from just one dollar so there's a draft for everyone and they start every couple of minutes so you can join one pretty much anytime the way to get started with them download the app anytime you just search draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or you can play from your computer on draft.com and of course that cast space code gets you something special for a limited time only all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit that's right you can play a real money game for free using the promo code cap space on your first deposit and of course that promo code will let them know that you came from us all right so chris Dabbs porzingis went up for a dunk over Giannis, came down looked to have hyper extended his knee at least on the initial view then you zoom in from the baseline camera and it was clear that there was an inward buckle of that knee he was able to walk off he was able to actually walk around go get his mri but then the devastating news reported by ian begley i think was the first to get to i wasn't on twitter at the time but i saw a tweet from him that he will indeed miss the rest of the season with a torn left acl and other than just the obvious sadness that pervades us in what had been a nice all-star campaign for porzingis and helping to make the knicks watchable this year uh what comes to mind as far as the implications here going forward it's not just that he's out for this year it's that he's out for probably a significant portion of the early part of next year and Porzingis with where the Knicks are and where the Knicks will be is central to their success so I would anticipate that barring something because they don't have much flexibility to get better over this offseason they're probably not going to be a playoff team next year either I mean look at let's say it takes a full 12 months they're going to be I would anticipate by that point they'll be out of the play they'll be you know it'll be tough for them to make their way back in we'll see where the east is yeah yeah for for next year making the right. best it's just it, it's really going to be difficult so that's the last two years before his his next contract kicks in that could be an extension these extension negotiations get a lot more complicated because yeah. do they want to play hardball here right Does, and we saw the difficulty with jabari parker already now I, I mean i think they would probably still feel better about porzingis who played at a higher level than parker when parker was healthy and this is only his first acl tear but as a 7-3 guy who has had all these nagging injuries uh, to the point where phil jackson had some interest in trading him at least and much as we've made fun of phil perhaps he was slightly prescient with that one if in fact it was the injuries and instead of wanting to go sit next to a pond in montana with a bunch of money that inspired him to think about trading porzingis uh but for the knicks i mean yeah this next year is kind of a, a waste now i mean i don't know if they're going to get in the playoffs anyway uh their draft pick will be better this year but it's it's going to be a tough negotiation and maybe maybe what we'll see danny is that the joel Embiid contract could be like somewhat of of a touchstone mm-hmm. for them although i still maintain that there really were not much in the way of protections for the sixers that they were ever gonna wave and beat anyway so i don't know if that's a great deal for the knicks so maybe they just they hold off and they still have his restricted rights at the end of next year but then you also throw in the fact that porzingis has already been unhappy with the organization do you want to alienate him further and there is a difference between his uh, restricted he's about 17 million as his cap hold if you do not agree to an extension and his maximum which that is the year that the current projections have it going up to 108 i'm still a little bit skeptical that it's going to go all yeah. that way but there so so maybe the knicks say oh well we want to use that to get free agents and I, i'm assuming porzingis would not be happy about that but you know at a certain point you do kind of have to take it and yeah it's, it's going to be really complicated how do the knicks think about the players that are still on their roster you know think you know like now do they want to take on some money in different ways and basically kind of treat it as a lost ne- next year as a lost year they're obviously out of the Kemba Walker sweepstakes for this year because there's just not uh, there's not surplus 
guy for the current yeah. current year contract. Next year is dicey at this point with those kinds of moves. And so do they think about moving Courtney Lee, Kyle O'Quinn, though you have more big men yeah. available now? Like I, w- I would have been selling anyway, but this probably pushes them more to that direction because I knew they were going to be more optimistic than we are. Most teams are. Yeah. And so you have all of those things running together and this is so close to the deadline. So you have to rekindle conversations when other teams have an idea of what they want to do already. So maybe they already talked to some teams about Kyle O'Quinn. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that sexy on their roster, really, though. I think no. that, that you know, I mean, Doug McDermott is a res- expiring contract. He's had an okay year this year, but, you know, no, nobody's, you're not getting a first-rounder for Doug McDermott. The only way you're getting a first-rounder for Courtney Lee, who has two years left on his contract at, at over $12 million per season uh, after this one, is if you take back some pretty ugly money in exchange, you know, if you traded him for like a Myers Leonard or something like that, maybe you could get a first-round pick in that type of transaction. But and that might behoove the Knicks because they're not really going to be players in free agency this offseason. Maybe in 2019 they could be, uh, although still not a ton of space. They only really project as of now with Porzingis's cap hold to have about 25 million in room for the 2019 offseason, and a lot of teams are going to have cap space then. Well, and you know. remember, they're going to ha- add in probably a, not only this year a stronger pick than maybe it was projected but next year a stronger pick yeah. so they're going to lose a few million let's say like maybe three or four million they- yeah no so i mean they're probably really projecting at about 20 million in space and that's even if they don't sign porzingis to an extension you know that's with his cap hold which is 17 million and his max will probably be around 26 27 that and year. also let a lot of guys walk that's nothing for ennis canner that's nothing yeah. for um o'quinn or any of those type of guys so that that could be a oh nothing for ron baker either um but ah, you know i think he might just uh, exercise his player option for next year you might uh, and so so yeah oh come on was that were you trying to do the voice right there or no. Was that? no no <laughs> That's like the one stick that I have. I, I, I don't have. I don't have many. No, I know. That, and, well, so, and, and, so, and, so and, and Noah trade clause, but I stole that from someone on Reddit. You didn't steal it. You gave attribution eventually. Uh, I, but I so, but so it's, it, it's 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 a brutal situation for Perry in the Knicks front office. But they, you know, the, the, now they just have to be proactive about it and think about where is this team going? Where where do you want to go? And and I think that's I think that's a it can be. It's obviously a terrible terrible thing for them in the immediate and all of that. But if Porzingis makes it to 100%. If it gets them to reality a little bit sooner in terms of this is Kristaps Porzingis' team, we need to think about it this way. They should have been there in 2016. They damn well but should have been there in 2017. But, you know, maybe there's a silver, a faint, faint, faint silver lining. Yeah, but whatever that is, and, you know, getting a better draft pick this year, maybe a better draft pick next year, is dwarfed to me by, number one, whether Porzingis will come back the same or not. He's going to miss a year of development time now, which he desperately needed as a go-to guy to improve his passing that's something that we've talked about to improve his ability to create in isolation his feel for the game and so you throw in you know is he a lost a year of development b is he going to be the same physically when he returns you know i think he's mostly a two-foot jumper though he injured this one coming down off a, a one-foot dunk but you know hopefully his jump shot will still be the same we'll see guys who come back from acls the jumper isn't quite that good right away but that could be an issue and you know his lateral quickness is 
already a little dicey for a four that's uh, we've seen also that guys especially in terms of moving their feet on the perimeter don't look nearly the same after an acl tear um so and then there's also the issue of well this guy's pretty injury prone now i mean he's already had all these nagging injuries that kind of hint that maybe you know he's not in the greatest alignment and you know he suffers all these muscle pulls and stuff and now to tear his acl is really a shame and a shame too that like he did it on one of the plays that like is what makes him so special as the seven three guy to be able to fly down the lane like that and dunk on it another freak of nature and then to injure himself how is that going to affect his confidence his finishing around the rim is something that you know he's really needed to work on as well so there's a, a lot to wonder about here of like you know is chris saps porzingis you know does he can he still be the superstar the knicks are hoping after this injury yeah it's it, it's definitely a, t- a tough call and so and you're getting into the point where he's still young where you, you're not saying like oh you know wash it away but will we see something like that so he's 22 now he'll turn 23 during this time during august yeah but guys his size you know they're the way that they age can be very different and i do see him as a center long term i think this firms that up a little bit and his his ability to pick and pop at the center spot opens up some other stuff we've been impressed by his ability to create reliable shots off of at the power forward spot that was part of the reason my skepticism was part of the reason why i always thought he was a five but you know limiting that it, it does make things more challenging for the knicks especially because there are a ton more centers than there are fours and threes and there will be for the foreseeable future so let's take a couple of questions here general nba whatever y'all want to talk about and then we can turn to the overall trade market if you guys want to get few uh it's not a tough call says uh glenn simonson a friend of the show the knicks have to wait him out in terms of you know not give him an extension unless it's a good deal for the team and yeah i think that, you know that's easy to say in some respects but again there's a lot of human elements here this is the one guy that their fans really care about we saw the backlash when uh, phil jackson was thinking about trading him although again i don't think he was insane to listen i think he was insane to talk about it publicly uh, certainly but so it's it's gonna be tough i mean if his demands are all right max or nothing motherfuckers like chandler parsons then you know all right i i think you can play a little bit of hardball but if you can get some non-guarantees on the end or or, or a team option or maybe lock in for slightly less than the max which could be useful too because you know we've seen Giannis do that and the cap may go up more than expected so they can get some cost certainty there then i think you would have to think about it pretty seriously uh because i mean the fact is it's not like you're gonna just like trade the guy or not have him on the team or something i mean you got to make a bet on on him regardless and and you're gonna suck if he's not good either way the chances of him taking his qualifying offer are also very low even though yeah like and so one question we got is uh does houston have a chance to get the number one seed by the end of the regular season they are now they're tied in the loss column correct uh yes i believe that is correct there and they are uh i think they are just a half game behind and they own the tiebreaker but the answer to the question is yes absolutely i mean houston has been a very very good team when they've been healthy yeah i mean and and the warriors are playing like shit right now i mean there's there's no two ways about that i mean if they houston's playing great and the warriors are playing really badly and it doesn't look like this is necessarily going to turn around anytime soon for golden state who have hit this weird malaise at the start of february and they're losing like because there have been other years where they've had a little bit of a malaise but they're still so much better than everyone else like yeah. there was a point last year where that happened that the they would defense win is always anyway. has always been there right for them other than maybe the first like six or seven games of the 2016-17 season when they first got kd and the defense has not been there for now almost a month and a half uh has toronto shown enough to be favored over the celtics in the east that's interesting i mean with tonight's win uh they 
they are the favorites for the number one seed uh their point differential is almost double the celtics at this point or, or their net rating is uh the celtics would have the best player in the series and also i'm just i have difficulty believing in kyle lowry and demar Derozan until they do it in the playoff also something the raptors one of the big elements in this game was their bench was spectacular and that matters a whole lot less in the playoffs than it does in the regular yeah. season when al horford and kyrie irving are playing and that's another thing about the celtics too is they are very fastidious about minutes you know mm-hmm. last year with isaiah he would play like 32 minutes a game Kyrie horford those two guys played 32 minutes a game this year if those guys are playing 39 things look a lot different and you know toronto has been very impressive i love their bench um and i love the energy that they play with uh i mean there's still a slight chance of gordon hayward returning as well although they've been slow rolling that one uh, of course so no they have not shown enough to be favored over the celtics in the east although i mean this is a totally new celtics team as well there's still cleveland i mean it's just got cleveland is just such an enigma at this point and they had that ridiculous loss to the magic tonight where they blew a 21 point lead and end up losing by 18 and scored five points in the first nine minutes of the fourth quarter somehow um I mean, Cleveland at some point, I, I, Cleveland's going to turn around to some degree because one of two things is going to happen. Either Isaiah is going to play better or he's going to play a lot less and shoot a lot less. Something else to, to note here is that Boston can, it's a lot easier for them to improve from this point. We're answering this question on Tuesday night before the trade deadline. Their buyout flexibility is, is lessened now with Greg Monroe, but they can still throw an asset in a trade. They can, they still have playing time to offer, whereas Toronto's rotation seems pretty set and that rotation is awfully good, but Boston can get better even just getting Hayward that that possibility so that's another thing to consider here Toronto has been better this season and and the other big question I think we should talk about briefly with that is Boston's offense has been decidedly uninspiring the last yes the last few months and Toronto's defense has been very very good and so if that norm is is kind of broken off and Toronto can defend them in a playoff series and sure Kyrie's gonna get hit I, I think we we know we all know that at this point but if they can't get much beyond that then that's the I think the better argument for Toronto than that they're going to reliably score on the Celtics because the Celtics have good personnel they execute I think they'll I think they'll be fine there but so Toronto's defense you know if, if they can be legit or if the Celtics offense is not that's that's I, enough I really hope that series happens though because so I. just I, I mean it's it'll be rare and that you don't usually see that amount of youth and athleticism on the floor in like deep in the playoffs well would you want that series if that or would you want Cleveland as the four because basically if you get that series that means Cleveland doesn't make the conference final because those two teams are going to be the one that's it yeah it's, it seems pretty likely there so yeah I mean, we'll see i think after today's game cleveland moved into the four i think on the projections 538 last i saw um all right let's do one more do you see toronto uh continuing to play a 10 deep rotation in the playoffs i think they will until it doesn't work anymore i mean and, and i think if there is you know lowry and DeRozan are probably going to play more but i also think that although i do think that lowry playing fewer minutes has been is a much bigger force you know i think they'll try to stick closer to a regular season rotation we'll see if it if it starts not working they'll probably play their guys more minutes and then you know how much are Ibaka and Valanciunas going to play how much are we going to see Ibaka at center so I think the other three guys in the lineup at any given time other than Lowry and DeRozan will be a very interesting question I think one of the point guards will get squeezed pretty heavily just because there aren't going to be as many minutes in that spot but if they go smaller more often which they absolutely can then maybe you just keep that open and play DeRozan more at the three all right let's get into to uh some trade gossip here uh, right after this word russell westbrook and paul george were a dominating combination tonight but not as dominating as sherry's berries and pro flowers can be for valentine's day with their perfectly paired collection you can get dipped strawberries from sherry's berries famous for a reason these 
strawberries are absolutely enormous a number of different dipped strawberry chocolate shells i really have enjoyed them to the extent i even got to finish them because most of them were eaten by my significant other and pro flowers is fantastic as well their freshness guaranteed the ones that i've gotten have lasted for well over a week and they even tell schlubs like us how to take care of flowers because i had no idea until i got the instructions that they gave us so it's pretty easy with their instructions and the plant food that they give you and that cast face code per usual will get you something special my listeners can save 20 percent on any one of those perfectly paired combinations or you can get any other gift over 29 dollars as well uh, with that promo code capspace so the way to get started with them again still plenty of time before valentine's day berries.com b-e-r-r-i-e-s.com go there today enter my code capspace at checkout easy remember capspace we talk about it all the time here on the program that's berries.com code capspace and let them know that you came from us all right so lots of stuff around the league i think where we want to start here is the report by ramona shelburne and woge that the lakers are recalibrating their approach i don't know whether it was a past tense verb a present tense verb but certainly putting out there the idea that 2018 free agency may not be where they end up because demarcus cousins now you know off the achilles tear they may not be as interested in him paul george making noises that he may want to stay in okc in in an interview with rachel nichols and i'm sure there's plenty of discussion behind the scenes as well uh hopefully the lakers can avoid getting fined again for those discussions uh but and then you know lebron james who knows what his story is it's hard to imagine he would want to come to the lakers unless he could bring paul george with him and so it becomes really the lakers strategy now that maybe they'll want to just sit out 2018 free agency either take on some bad contracts for at least one more year and there's a pretty good 2019 free agent class although there will be more competition for teams that have space in 2019 as well worth noting and and just let these young guys develop here and one big thing there is the expectations on this team will change a lot if they wait another year because we'll be seeing what those young guys can actually do they don't have their own pick this year so you're if you're a top level free agent ingram lonzo ball josh hart kyle kuzma those guys need to really show something because it's going to probably be one guy so for me the the there are a couple important parts of this one is that is the right strategy to take the idea being kind of if you think you are a desirable destination and whether that is based on prior reputation or what or optimism you want to wait for the right player you don't want to just settle and demarcus cousins on his achilles injury is 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 depressing all that kind of stuff but maybe that saves them to a point from a mistake because i don't think he can be the centerpiece of a of a championship team or conference finals team so that's one piece the second piece is where the rubber really meets the road here and how they could get more value and i don't think they're going to do this is if they were willing to move some of their expiring money they're one of the only teams with expiring money yeah i mean they've got 40 million in expiring contracts if they were willing to move some or all of that for players that are paid in the 2018-19 season they could get some real assets if they wanted to move to to basically sell off that but i don't think they want to foreclose the possibility so i'm guessing that that they're not going to get that benefit it's more going to be telling teams like hey if it doesn't work for us we're going to do that and the other reason that's valuable and, and important to consider right now is because that means they're less willing to give to give assets right now for unloading Jordan Clarkson, for unloading Walt Dang, and that's the right ta- and also potentially for moving Julius Randle, who's his own thing. That's another complication. Yeah. And why that is important is because I think it's the good tactic where if you don't know that you're going to need the space, generally speaking, the expectation is that the you know demand's going to change. They're taking on more of the contract, all that kind of stuff. That could be wrong. This could be a time to sell but you know if you're gonna wait a whole nether year then that gets a lot easier to start unloading those contracts 
contract. So there's two reasons why this could be bullshit. One is that they want to create some internal leverage. I always differentiate between internal leverage and external leverage in trade discussions. External leverage is, oh yeah, well, you better sweeten your offer because we've got this other team that's interested in, and we'll trade them to this team. Internal leverage is, hey, you know, we don't we don't have to trade this guy. You know, you, you if you don't sweeten your offer, we don't have to trade him. And, and of course, the, the discussions are that they want to move Jordan Clarkson, who's due $12 million, uh, each of the next two years, uh, and do it without having to give up an asset. Um, maybe Julius Randle as well. And so perhaps they are trying to create the illusion that, you know what, we can just like, we don't have to create this space uh, unless you're willing to just take the guy. Like we're not over a barrel here. We don't have to give up an asset to move a, a guy like Clarkson. That That's one. The other one is, and this is Bill Simmons suggested this, that this is like a little bit of a shot across the bow of LeBron James's camp to say, hey, you know what? Like we have to make a decision right now. You're going to have to send us uh, some nice little signals that maybe, ah, you know, it might be a good idea to keep the, the, to create some cap space this offseason or maybe Paul George as well. Uh, and if they're, hey, if we don't get at least some signals here that we are going to go ahead and potentially impact our, our 2018 space. Something else that's important to note here is that we will have a much better idea of the 2019 offseason earlier on because Kawhi Leonard is going to be eligible for a designated veteran extension. Yeah. And if he signs it, boom, one of the huge guys on that market is gone. And Clay Thompson, I don't think he's going to get that offer. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure he's going to qualify. I mean, the all, all NBA for guards this year is very strong. And so maybe that market, I mean, there are, there is some star power and those guys are younger. So you could see if, if they really did hit the unrestricted market, that that would be interesting. But there is a very real chance to me that the 2019 class is overhyped, especially if Kawhi is gone. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah. And Kyrie, you know, you would imagine that he, he steered his way to Boston is probably, there won't be too much. So Jimmy Butler could be available. Yeah. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler is interesting, but he's on the older side, you know, like there were yeah, reasons he'll be why, at that point. why Chicago didn't want to give him a designated veteran extension, you yeah. know, like all the risk involved. Clay in Thompson, another guy who, you know, doesn't seem at this point like he w- would be available, probably won't qualify for designated veteran and, and nor would the Warriors necessarily w- want to pay him that, but uh, you never know. There could just be a normal extension involved there, but uh, yeah, we'll see. 20, 2019 uh, will be a, an interesting free agency. Uh, let's talk a little bit here about the Raptors. Michael Grange reporting that what he's hearing is the, their local columnist that uh, they will be sitting out or just a minor player. Uh, the Raptors will be uh, at the trade deadline. No interest in Tyreek Evans, who they view as a ball holder, and they already have plenty of those. They're trying to get away from that. And uh, Rodney Hood, uh, someone who maybe could make sense for them as a restricted free agent, is too pricey over the long term, and that there's not really any. And I agree. I mean, because they're so deep, who are they really going to get that's going to fulfill a, a need for them? But they also don't have a ton to necessarily give up because they their own first round pick is owed to yeah. the Brooklyn Nets for this year that they included with Damari Carroll to get under the tax. So that means you're going not to 2019 to 2020 because of the Stepien rule. So that's a long way out. They like their young guys. They're not really trying to move yeah. them. And their young guys who are not in the rotation don't have value. Bruno, you're not going to get something for Bruno Caboclo. Yeah. And I mean, I think as well as they're playing, even trading someone like Valanciunas, who, I mean, they're not going to give up an asset to get off of him. Nobody's going to want to just take him at this point for for my money so uh and they also don't want to take on any money to go on here because they want to re-sign fred van vliet in free agency and he's looked like an outstanding at the very least backup point guard who's you know given how close to the tax they are that even if he gets a five or six million dollar a year contract that's a a lot for him um what else we got here 
there there are teams that are are interested in DeAndre Jordan, and part of what they're trying to do is they're trying to mitigate the risk because he is a pending restricted free agent by getting him to opt in. He does not seem interested in opting in. That is, A, it's way less security, but also it's probably, even you could argue the annual value is probably close for him. So like, I understand why they don't want to do that. Maybe you could try to coincide that or connect it with some sort of extension talks down the road because extensions are complicated when you acquire a guy by trade. But I understand why he's reluctant to do that. Yeah, and and the point has been made by several people, including Bobby Marks, that you don't go and hire Jeff Schwartz. He had been operating without an agent for some time just so you can opt in again. And I think for him, granted, the center market is impacted, but that's not going to change. Just in the new NBA, there are more centers than people know what to do with at this point. He's going to be 29 this offseason. And so even if you opt out and just get a three-year, $60 million deal, that's probably better off than you are. He's due $22.5 million next year. And maybe that's all that'll be out there for DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I think he certainly still has dreams of a max type of, of contract. Maybe there's still some chance he could do just a normal extension building off of his salary with the Clippers, but those negotiations seem to have stalled to some degree. And so, I mean, we've talked about like, who is he really going to make a difference for? Number one, who'd be willing to give up enough of an asset that the Clippers would say, okay, you know, it's not a situation where it's just like, you know, Nikola Mirotic where, all right, we just want to dump the guy. And then number two, they're not really willing to take bad salary. So he's such a big salary, you can't match salary. The teams that would want him, say the Bucks, don't really have assets that are going to interest the Clippers and just moving off of him completely. And maybe they feel like they can just bring him back at a number that makes sense. And it's also a kind of, to a point to me, it's more of an all or nothing proposition with the Clippers because you have like Avery Bradley and Lou Williams and those kind of guys. And if you're going to, like if, if you're kind of underwhelmed overall, then you can keep them together. Hopefully you make the playoffs. You see who maybe would be willing to come back on a discount or maybe a short-term contract, something like that. And then if some guys leave, so be it. But if the offers are, and but if the offers are strong, they should absolutely take them. And Avery Bradley to me is the most obvious with that because there isn't really as much of a sales pitch for him to stay in LA. I mean, sure, maybe he enjoys playing for Doc and maybe he likes likes being there, but he doesn't really, to me, fit with where, especially yeah. after they traded Blake, with where they might be going. But I mean, again, you know, it's going to be tough even to get value for him if it's, I mean, right? sure, a second rounder, but is there a first round pick out there for Avery Bradley without taking back money as well? Now, maybe you could say if they're willing to take back Jared Bayless, the Sixers could get involved. OKC, I'm sure, would love to have him, but they're really impacted. They don't have any young prospects really that they can send along. They uh, apparently, according to reports, are not interested in moving Terrence Ferguson. So it's uh, it's tough to find a, a place for Bradley at this point. Um, what do you make of the trade request from Willie Hernan Gomez? Uh, he actually had comments today that he's not, you know, he doesn't like hate the Knicks or anything, but he would love a chance to develop it and play somewhere. And, and he has, in fact, asked for a, a trade. He played well last year, but has not been able to crack their center rotation this year. It's justified. I mean, he's buried He's buried in the rotation this year. Ennis Kanter is under contract for probably another year. I think he's going to opt in. And yeah, maybe they move on from Kyle Quinn if they can get an asset. But yeah, I, it's justified that he wants to be somewhere else. He's not playing. He's not getting a chance. So yeah, sure, you can ask for a trade. They don't have to honor it, but they can ask. Well, here's the thing with Hernan Gomez, though. I mean, if you're the Nick, you know that he can be a, at least a decent backup center. He's due the minimum next year and then the minimum the year after that, uh, which is nine guaranteed. So he's got two more years. You can either decline his option and make him a restricted free agent after next year or just hold him down under contract for two more years. I mean, Joakim Noah presumably will be out of the picture soon. Cantor expires the year after that. Porzingis is going to be out now, too. They're probably going to want to play him more the rest of this year anyway. So, I mean, if you can just get a second rounder for him, I mean, I think he's 
still more valuable than a second rounder i don't see anyone giving up a first for him uh, and i don't think he's enough of a sweetener for anyone to take on one of the knicks's bad contracts so if i had to predict i'm not sure that a deal that makes sense for the knicks or another team really is going to materialize i imagine he's probably going to just end up there still despite this trade request unless they just decide well hey you know we screwed this guy over let's do him a solid we can move on to the atlanta hawks uh they held marco bellinelli out of their game against memphis night when they won handily and with the expectation that he could be involved in a trade and that is not surprising i mean when you have a veteran guy who's on a reasonable who's on a reasonable contract and you're not going anywhere you might as well and then interestingly erisan ilyasova who is one of these players who's on a one-year contract with with bird rights at the end of it so he has an, an implicit no trade clause he appears to be wanting to stay at least for the time being in atlanta he's been on a bunch of different teams recently so that also changes the way they negotiate because like remember when we were doing the mock off season kind of thinking oh well maybe we can use both of these guys get take on some salary you know get give two rotation players something like that and if Ilya Sova doesn't want to be a part of that he cannot be a part of that yeah his family is still in Milwaukee uh and so that's uh I mean they still have Dwayne Dedman whom they could move kind of in place of Ilya Sova if they wanted it to be a larger deal there's still talk that they might be trying to move Kent Bazemore they supposedly had some discussions very early in the season with the Bucks about Dennis Schroeder although the Bucks went with Eric Bledsoe and said that was probably a wise move uh but yeah the Hawks have kind of all these guys and I mean it seems like Marco Bellinelli for just some second rounder somewhere and uh for an expiring contract that maybe makes a little bit less you know I don't see the Hawks taking on bad money for Bellinelli I think Bellinelli could maybe help a team like the Sixers but you know I'm not sure that the Sixers want to give up a first for Bellinelli and to get off of Bayless next year when they don't even know whether they are going to need the extra three million that they would save just by you know because they could always stretch Bayless next offseason too if they really needed the money so they are going to be one of the few suitors out there it seems like if, especially if the Lakers now are, are looking like they might sit out for another year uh, out there for guys in the free agent market and so I'm, I'm not sure that they want to do that kind of a deal so I mean it seems like you know crappy second rounder for Bellinelli is, is where this headed I'm not sure who the, the suitors are let's turn to Tyreek Evans uh, Woj reporting that there are three front runners for his services namely Boston Denver and Philadelphia and Miami is also staying engaged on Evans Miami is did he end up no no Miami got Will Barton in the uh the mock traded line yeah they did but for Evans you know the report is that Memphis wants a first round pick for him given the fact that a team acquiring him would not have his bird rights the fact that he's probably playing over his head this season and that by indications Memphis does not want to take back salary could end up making that first rounder unrealistic the talk is that Boston is trying to move Marcus Smart for a first round pick. I also find that rather unrealistic. I mean, remember this offseason, uh, they tried to move Smart and really didn't find any takers. It was either Smart or Bradley. And you know, if they could have gotten a first round pick for Smart to clear off the space to get Hayward this summer, they would have done it. And I'm not sure that Smart has done anything this year, uh, especially with this latest hand laceration well, to improve his value. And he's, he's through more than 50 games now in the last year of the rookie scale contract. Right. I mean, the, the value there is not, uh, is not present. 
we also know what, that his salary demands are rather exorbitant considering that reports have indicated that he turned down what was a substantial eight-figure per season offer. Right. So I, I think it's going to be very hard for them to do that. And Boston, you know, considering their other complications, the idea of them taking on additional salary is is challenging too. So it, it's going to be it's going to be hard for them to to really reconcile this. And I think a lot of these teams are asking for a lot. But but hey, send out the feelers, see what you can do. And on a related note to that kind of, actually no, let's talk about Tyreek. I was going to bring up Gortop. Let's yeah, yeah. I mean, where do you think? I mean, Denver is a really interesting one to me. I don't because, think they have a need. Well, what I'm guessing is that they would then move Will Barton to another team that would then try to re-sign him with bird rights. That that's that might be the way this all gets flipped around. Because yeah, as long as they keep Barton, they have no need for Tyreek whatsoever. And so maybe they have a, they have an offer that they kind of like there, but they know that they can't move. Yeah, that that makes intuitive sense for Philly. I mean, the idea that basically he would help them a lot. Oh, he would help Philly a lot. But I think the only way that a first and especially Philly doesn't have any bad first like that's kind of the they have their own pick which will be solid yeah. now it could end up being two seconds from philly they have like every knicks second rounder forever and ever for yes which do look a little better that, that's actually an did, and they gave up one of those oops they gave up one of those in the trevor booker trade they i think that was next year's that they gave yeah, up. i mean that we hated that trade and booker big surprise has made absolutely no impact there whatsoever and then miami yeah he'd help them but that's more of like a straight rental considering where their books are i mean tyler johnson is getting that big raise josh richardson's getting that big raise and so i don't think they and, and they can't trade their own firsts for a long time that's true they don't even have seconds for a long time yeah i mean maybe a swap right could be involved although that's not going to help or you they much could maybe throw one of their young players like justice or i mean that's a little strong but maybe like yeah Ocar- justice Ocaro, is playing better lately. Ocaro white or magruder or somebody you know like a yeah i mean style of trade yeah i'm not really sure how you get there if you're in their seconds i think their first second they can trade is like 2024 20, or something yeah it's crazy ridiculous like that so yeah i'm not sure what uh, what it is maybe that's why miami is uh listed as a distant fourth there so may- maybe it does end up in boston you know i'm not really sure how much he helps boston i mean i think if i could get a first rounder for marcus smart i might just call good enough good enough i mean i mean they do need more on offense but uh, and maybe i'm underrating what evans has done this year but it, it does seem like one of those things where i know he's been efficient but is he really going to be that good still on a good team and why for a rental like boston we understand them to be better next year than they are this year so why give up a first round pick that you think they can make the finals i mean that's not nothing that's true it's not Um, it's true but but i agree i mean none of these seem like particularly awesome fits and you know he would be a nice fit in a team like charlotte you know one of these more lower rung playoff teams that could really use a creator uh but charlotte's so far out of it they're probably not going to be active in the trademark interesting by the way that we have heard nothing whatsoever on kemba walker since those michael jordan comment yeah when they wanted a current all-star yeah kevin love Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh so uh, what else we got here i I guess that's about it uh in the trade rumor gossip category um i want to give you guys a quick reminder too uh that if you're listening to this on dunk down or the twitter nba show that the number one thing you can do to support us right now is download the wish app use the cap space code on there for a 20 percent discount they are trying to decide whether they're going to renew right now it's rare that we'll specifically ask you for a favor but certainly working with with especially because you can buy pretty much anything there they have like 500,000 merchants like anything and, and they're huge internationally too so yeah. for those of you who are who are international supporters of the show it's a great way to to, to support what we do yeah all right so uh, a few other things that have piled up here that we need to get to we talked about the Przingis injury already in Milwaukee Matthew Delvado 
Cordova is going to be out at least three to four weeks and possibly more because it's a grade three right ankle sprain he suffered when he stepped on the foot of D'Angelo Russell against the Nets. Chris Haynes reporting that and with Malcolm Brogdon also out with a partially torn left quad tendon uh he's out six to eight weeks so the Bucks really hurting now for ball handlers Jason Terry is now going to be back in the rotation uh but uh, maybe the Bucks will try to make a, a lower level move uh John Henson is also out with a hamstring injury remains to be seen how long that is they picked up Tyler Zeller obviously yesterday uh but they're going to be short of ball handling that it really seems like Eric Bledsoe they've been keeping his minutes down to the low 30s I think just due to all the knee issues that he has had and so the Bucks are rolling right along they had that night a nice win against the Knicks tonight in that uh, sad Porzingis game but uh they're going to be hurting for the next month or so for ball handling and it's hard because it's a straight rental because you have all these other guys under contract but one thing they have these two team building tools that they could use they have the uh, trade exception for Roy Hibbert which is about the same value as the space they have under the tack they also have a um they have cap space they have the mid-level exception yeah or, yeah so that's right for, for the buyout market and yeah. they they still have about 4.5 million or so mm-hmm. under the tax w- with which they can use that i forget exactly how much the mid-level they have but they didn't use much of it i think starling uh, so brown far. is really the, the piece that they got from yeah them. so uh, and you know i'm not sure exactly who the buyout candidates are now who, who uh, at the point guard position Derek rose <laughs> yeah that's uh I, I don't, we don't want the uh, milwaukee front office to uh you know commit uh seppuku all, all at once uh if if they end up picking up Derek Rose but um yeah oh Jameer Nelson actually could be an option there oh Th- yeah that might be one I don't know the Bulls are holding on to him right now uh, we'll see whether he makes it anywhere he could leave some money on the table to make that happen as well to yeah no he, he could he could uh, double dip for sure uh but I think the Bulls will try to at least extract some sort of an asset uh, for him um and, and then what else do we have here in terms of injuries Seth Curry yeah so Seth Curry he's missed the entire season so far with a stress reaction in his left tibia and now they're going to do surgery uh the expectation is that will take 12 to 14 weeks to recover and that you know so so they're hopeful that he will be back for for training camp and all that kind of stuff but remember he is an unrestricted free agent with early bird rights so that means he can go where he wants but dallas you know dallas has a place for him but i mean it's it's really disappointing i part of the reason i was very enthusiastic about the mavericks this year is i thought the chemistry with him and dennis smith jr could be very interesting we're not going to get to see that at all this year but you know maybe they can bring him back yeah and a shame for seth curry he struggled with similar injuries uh, back in college as well so this is not a first time thing for him hopefully he can be healthy and, and demonstrate that before the summer and, and cash in to some degree in free agency but you could see him kind of just returning to dallas on a prove it type of deal potentially his cap hold will be pretty low uh, for them i think it's like three or four million yeah. yeah but but hard to see him getting much more than that cap hold the good news in dallas i guess is that nerland's noel is progressed to doing 5-0 drills and could be back uh, once the all-star break is over in denver mason Plumley uh, going after a free throw rebound suffered a, a calf that looked pretty bad and he's now out two to four weeks given the fact that he couldn't put any weight on it afterwards i'm going to take the over on that we always say that calves and hamstrings are, are tricky and when it's so bad that you can't even walk on it after it happens i think you, you have to say that that's probably going to be you know, a, a longer term injury for him so i, I would say closer to four weeks if i just had to guess seeing that happen um and then lonzo ball a, a curious absence for him with a sprained mcl he's missed the last 10 games has not returned to practice yet luke walton saying well you'd have to 
ask Lonzo uh, about how he was doing and how his return was, which that doesn't really make much sense because Lonzo has not been made available to the media since the injury. Uh, but that's especially with the Lakers having won 10 out of 16, many of them in Ball's absence is taking on a little bit of an interesting tenor. And Ball certainly has had his share of injury issues this season. He has. And early in the year, they weren't really winning. They were losing almost all the games that he was playing. And then now they've won seven of their last nine. And some of those were games they beat OKC in OKC recently. And they have some of those nice wins and they beat Indiana as well. I think that was when Oladipo was out. But yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see where this goes from here. And they're, you know, a big part of their season is evaluating their young talent. So this is creating a smaller amount of time to evaluate Lonzo Ball. They don't have their own first round pick, so it is a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, that's it's definitely been a challenge for them that they have to deal with. Willie Reed was suspended six games due to a domestic violence incident back in the preseason with his wife and back when he was a, a clipper. Um, only interesting here because the union is going to appeal. This will be our first look uh, at the domestic violence policy for a while since that Jeff Taylor incident, which was in the wake of the NFL's Ray Rice thing when he really got the book thrown at him. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see from a precedent standpoint where this ends up. I don't know the details of that particular incident, but obviously the union uh, was upset about it. And we'll see also whether the NBA Players Union is as dedicated to uh, protecting the uh, domestic abusers in its ranks as the NFL Players Union seems to be. It always seemed like a, a weird obsession to throw a bunch of money at uh, protecting guys from domestic violence suspensions. And also, the, this is the first time under the new CBA, and I think Bobby Marks had a tweet today about how there might be some changes in that in terms of powers. I don't know. That's not a part of it that I know, so we'll just keep an eye on it. Uh, Austin Rivers planning to return uh, in a few days on February 9th from what's been an over a month-long absence with a heel-slash-Achilles issue. is unclear exactly what that was. And then big news out of Cleveland, Jason Lloyd's piece detailing uh, for your employer, The Athletic, detailing increasing dysfunction in the Cavaliers' orbit. LeBron James during the same meeting that Isaiah Thomas apparently called out uh, Kevin Love and at least apparently received a satisfactory answer uh, on Love's uh, illness absence. LeBron cursed out a couple of team executives. Dan Gilbert and LeBron, unsurprisingly, no relationship at all. We talked about that on, on Dunkdown yesterday. And then, you know, same thing between James and Kobe Altman. He's not talking to the front office at all about their decisions. He had a lot of disappointment from the Kyrie trade and letting David Griffin go. And uh, then, of course, uh, they had that absolutely miserable loss in Orlando tonight. Do you want to do a piece of recently breaking news? Yeah, let's do it. What is it? Um, Woj is reporting with Brian Windhorst that extension discussions between Lou Williams and the Clippers have gathered significant momentum and a new contract is within reach before the deadline. That says a couple of different things. One of them is that takes away some of the Clippers' ability to be a cap team, you know, in in, in 20, yeah. 2018. Yeah, but I mean, they were never going to do that anyway. Probably I mean, like not. 20, $24 million maybe, but that's if DJ and all these other guys left and they wave guys and stuff. And the idea of kind of tearing it down, you know, doing the doing the hard the hard path seems less likely. I mean, Lou Williams is going to be, he's yeah. had a wonderful, wonderful season, but an extension that's going to pay him into his mid-30s probably, depending on how well, much Well, worth noting, however, that such an extension with Lou making $7 million this season, you know, it's not going to start at more than 120% of that or so. Right. So, so, I mean, it's not going to be too bad. You know, maybe it'd be something along the lines of like three years, $30 million or something pretty close to there is what you might guess that would be. But Lou obviously likes it there at 
31. He's not going to continue to play like this forever, though he's having maybe his best season at, at 31. So, uh, you know, that's interesting to note, but I think that wouldn't be a bad contract. And they're trying to make the playoffs this year as well. And so getting someone on a contract that's not bad, you know, that's not the end of the world. Maybe he could be tradable later and he'll, he'll keep them competitive, whether that's for good or for ill in the meantime. But they obviously want to try and make the playoffs this year. And so maybe that could have an effect on DeAndre Jordan as well, although we already said why we feel that he doesn't necessarily have much of a market. So this is going to be, I, I was talking with somebody earlier today about how it's hard to calibrate this trade deadline because it's so different. We're not dealing with the all-star break. And so like when stuff is going to go. So we'll talk to everybody tomorrow, but I have no idea what kind of conversation it's going to be. You know, it could yeah. be a breaking down. I, I love breaking down trades, or we might have to save that for the Thursday night edition of the podcast. By the way, uh, this is the, the beauty of doing this show live. Dan Feldman just reminded me that Darren Collison was suspended eight games for uh, domestic violence post uh, Jeff Taylor. So uh, that's true. Th- thanks, Dan. It really makes me feel great about doing this show live. But we can do honor. We can do honor corrections. We don't have to do it after the fact. That's even better. You don't have to put it in the in the same spot in the next day's paper. Yeah. Well, or I can just edit that out of the podcast and just uh you know put it in like I remembered it the whole time. Sure. I'm too lazy to do that. We're not doing that. Um. What else we got here? Uh. I mean, we could talk about the 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 rumors that the the Ma- the wizard sorry former his former reporter the magic have had discussions about marcin gortat yeah that that was kind of like the report was just they have had discussion trade discussions well, involving so marcin it does gortat. tie in with one thing that i've been interested in which is there is this idea that there really isn't much of a market for centers the other way to do that is the equal kind of a challenge trade of sorts of just yeah. taking on a different center who makes similar money or has a similar structure like we could see something in that realm it just always seemed like a strange negotiation in season that felt to me more of like an off-season move but who knows maybe we could see something like that um Devin Booker is gonna miss time it looks like now he already was playing through a rib injury and then suffered a a hit pointer in a collision a couple days ago and sounding like he could miss a a few games he said there's no way he could physically play on Tuesday Rudy Gay finally expected back uh from his foot soreness after the all-star break for the Spurs they I mean worth remembering that he was a big part of what they were doing in, in the early season when they had success and they've been missing him not as much as Leonard but certainly as well and then uh Markel Fultz had a brief interview his first availability to the media since he was cleared for five on five over a month ago saying essentially it's been a long journey just trying to relearn his shot he's going through it he wants to get back out there as quick as he can but it's been a slow process we'll have to see it's tough I mean he was so prodigiously talented but the jump shot is an essential part of it all right I think we can probably call it quits here you know maybe we can take another couple of questions here at the end um Lonzo Ball or De'Aaron Fox so far this year I think Ball probably um just because he's provided more in the non-shooting aspects I mean Fox it hasn't been as much of a non-scorer as Ball but uh I think just in terms of the passing the Lakers have actually played better with Ball on the floor which you cannot say uh, for De'Aaron Fox uh, he is one of the worst RPMs in the league uh, somebody asked if Paul George is back to being a top 10 player I think that's a little strong for right now neither of us had him on our first two all NBA teams, but on a game-to-game basis, he can be a yeah. huge difference. Maker. Or, or in the playoffs too. I mean, he he definitely he had a tough first month of the season. So did Westbrook. Uh, you know, I can't remember where he fell in my list of the top ten players in the NBA last year. I think he was below the top ten, but maybe in the same tier as some of the bottom guys. But he certainly is really coming on strong. You know, and averaging twenty-eight points so far in February with some massive performances, including of course this one against Golden State. All right, I think that do it for today this has been uh quite the marathon run but we really enjoyed
enjoyed it don't forget about our sponsors and please don't forget also about downloading the wish app using uh that cap space code uh number one thing you can do to help out our endeavors at this point in time and we'll be back on wednesday night we'll see whether there are any trades to report then talk to you all next time fantasy basketball fans it's not too late to join the highest rated fantasy football app draft it's got real live snake drafts unlike the other salary cap leagues you can download the app anytime by just searching draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer at draft.com for limited time only all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit but you got to use my promo code capspace and that's the way that you let them know that you came from us of course that's right play a real money game for free using the promo code capspace on your first deposit at amica insurance we know it's more than just a car it's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive the hatchback that took you cross country and back and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool for the cars you couldn't live without trust amica auto insurance amica empathy is our best policy